Welcome to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on KCOW Berlin. I'm your host, Sumi Somaskanda. This week, we're talking about another big wedge in the transatlantic relationship. The news that the Trump administration has confirmed a Pentagon plan to withdraw 9,500 troops from Germany. For U.S. President Trump, this step is in return for Germany not paying its share to the NATO Security Alliance. That's a tremendous uh, delinquency. Let's use that word, delinquency. So uh, we're going to be reducing our forces in Germany. That was President Trump speaking at a press conference two weeks ago. The move has surprised German leaders, NATO and members of Congress. Now there's a bipartisan effort in the U.S. to prevent the Trump administration from going ahead. So will this troop drawdown happen? And what does it mean for NATO and for U.S.-German ties? We'll hear from the former general of the U.S. Army in Europe, who has an interesting idea about how Germany could contribute to defense. Uh, I would say that we don't need more German tanks. We need more German trains. That's coming up. But first, we've got two guests joining us on the phone today. Terry Schultz is a freelance reporter in Brussels covering the EU, NATO and security for NPR and DW News. Good morning. And we have Eric Kirschbaum, longtime journalist here covering Germany for international media, including the L.A. Times. He's the executive director of the German-American exchange program, RIAS. Hi there. Great to have you both. Terry, I want to start with you. What are the latest details that we know about this proposed troop withdrawal? Well, those details are still in the hands of Washington, Sumi, because the Pentagon has now presented a plan to President Trump, from whom it came, of course, and he has signed off on it. So I guess Secretary of Defense Mark Esper now will be sharing those details with Capitol Hill, which is not in favor of it, and I would imagine it will be making its way to uh, allies. I mean, we do know that, that the original announcement of, of 9,500 troops is, is what's expected. Um, and it does seem that despite the outcry from all allies, not just to Germany, and also the efforts personally by NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg to explain to the United States what military officials already know, that this is, these troops are not there simply to protect Germany or to protect Europe, but reminding the U.S. that they use Germany Um, as a jumping-off point for operations all over the world, um, including noting constantly that, for example, the headquarters of AFRICOM is in Stuttgart and is not there in any way to to protect Europe. So everyone has tried to make the point to President Trump, but from everything I've heard, both uh, on and off the record, it seems that the plans are going ahead. We just don't know how quickly. Eric, I want to bring you in here and ask you, first of all, uh, tell us more about what we've seen in the U.S. in Congress uh, to thwart these efforts from President Trump? Yeah, a lot of Republicans in Congress are not happy at all about it. Um, they think it's a gift to Russia, and they want to make sure that that doesn't happen. And so Congress controls the purse strings and is putting a, uh, a block on it right now to prevent any kind of quick overnight removal of um, American troops from Germany. So Congress has its authority um, in the Constitution to to be a check on the president, and that's exactly what they're doing right now. And it's not just the Democrats. It's the Republicans in Congress as well. And they have a veto-proof um, majority to prevent this from happening in September, as the president was planning. And Eric, what are some of the reactions that you've seen to this here in Germany? It's been surprisingly um, relaxed in Germany about it. Um, Germans used to worry about the United States sort of not loving them enough anymore or taking away their troops. And um, there were 250,000 troops here in West Germany during the Cold War, and now it's down to 35,000 
I think most Germans um, understand NATO a lot better than the average American. They realize that most of the Americans are here not to defend Germany, but to advance um, U.S. interests uh, in the Middle East and Africa and around the world, and also to secure the transatlantic um, relationships. By and large, Germans are unusually relaxed about this. Maybe they realize the chances of it ever happening aren't that high anyway. Well, one of the parties here that was caught by surprise was apparently Poland. Uh, We saw President Trump hold that press conference where we heard him speaking a little bit earlier in the show alongside the Polish leader, Andrzej Duda. And Terry, you've been speaking with the Polish ambassador to NATO. What have you heard from them? That's right. This was surprising and really interesting to me that uh, the Polish ambassador to NATO said that he'd been in on discussions about you know, plans for troop transfers. And this had not come up that these troops being taken out of Germany now might be in some part transferred to Poland. It's important to explain that that Poland has been asking for more U.S. troops to be based there and, in fact, has an agreement for at least a thousand more U.S. troops to be stationed in Poland. That was something that had been discussed and agreed over the last couple of years. But the idea that some of these troops coming out of Germany could be moved to Poland apparently was not discussed with Poland before President Trump announced that. Now, it's not clear whether Trump even understands that he has already made an agreement to send more troops to Poland bilaterally. He may be conflating the issues, but um, at this point, that was um, a matter of confusion for the Polish government, who had not been asked. At the same time, because they do want more troops and believe it's important for troops to stay in Europe rather than be sent back to the U.S., if Washington formally asks, Poland will say yes to the best of its ability. That is pretty remarkable, Terry. Eric, you know, if these troops were to be reassigned, repositioned, can you give us some context of what these troops mean to Germany, how important these bases are in the regions where they are? Yeah, I mean, economically, it has an impact on some of the rural areas in southern Germany and um, where the bases are. But um, but I think one of the things that's important to remember is that the United States has spent a lot of money on expensive infrastructure in Germany, and that wouldn't be there in Poland. Um, another problem the United States um, in, in the 2 plus 4 talks 30 years ago promised there would be no NATO permanent troops in the east part of Europe, and that might be um, thrown out the window if, if troops are moved to Poland. The other thing that's important to remember is that the basic argument of this whole thing, the basic cause of this is that Germany does not spend enough of its GDP on defense. It promised in 2014 it would raise that towards 2% of the GDP. It's currently around 1.38%. It's not going to reach the 2% target by 2024 when they all promised to NATO to reach that target. So Germany has been a laggard on defense for a long, long time. Trump is not the first president to point that out. Obama did, Bush did, Clinton did. And it's not something that Germans like to do. It's something that was perhaps um, knocked out of their system after World War II. The United States and the re-education and Germans became anything but militaristic, a very pacifist country. The SPD, the junior coalition partner, is opposed to spending that 2%. They want to break their promise on spending 2%. The SPD is also causing problems because the defense ministry wants to buy U.S. fighter jets that could carry nuclear weapons, and the SPD doesn't want that. The SPD wants U.S. nuclear weapons, if they are in Germany, to be taken out. So it's it's kind of a messy, sticky situation. And Trump has just put his finger on a point that's been talked about in NATO for a long, long time. That is that Germany just does not do enough for its defense. Terry, I want to get your take on that messy, sticky situation. How do you see this controversy over Germany not reaching that 2 percent spending that President Trump wants to see? Well, I would just need to um, put a finer point on what Eric said, um, because 
this is a constant um, issue of that people don't grasp outside of NATO. Um, this Wales meeting where this pledge was made does not promise to reach 2% by 2024. A, it's an ambition. It's not required by any NATO ally. And that's why when President Trump says that Germany is delinquent, there isn't an ironclad guarantee that any country will reach 2%. And Germany didn't promise to do that. What the language is, it's very, very weak. And that's because you've got to get all of these countries to unanimously agree to it, and you can't. So the, the language only says we will aim to move toward 2%. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a whole lot of, you know, countryside in that promise, and Germany is moving toward 2%. But that's, it's not a promise, and they never said they'd get to 2%. It was, it was, it, the, the mathematics were impossible even at this, this meeting in Wales in 2014. Um, they are moving towards. So Germany can say it is living up to that pledge, even though NATO really needs countries to spend 2% on their own militaries in order to have a, a, you know, a fighting force at its, at its um, most effective level. Everyone knows Germany's not moving fast enough, that, that its, its armed forces are not well equipped. They're really, really behind, and, and they ad admit that themselves. But this is why this debate rages on. But President Trump continually misstates it, and it's really frustrating for people like me who kind of like the facts. Um, Germany didn't say it was going to get there, and neither did any other country who's not spending 2%. And Germany is not the lowest spender among the NATO allies, but he, he likes to pick on, on Germany. Yeah, there's two things I'd like to say to that, though. Germany will be one of only two or three countries that don't reach the 2% target by 2024, I believe. And most of the countries will be there. And you're right, the, the, the target is um, a lot of wiggle room towards 2%, and Germany is moving towards 2%. It has a big economy, so it's harder for Germany. Um, and Germany's had pretty good economic growth, so they've raised defense spending, but the percentage of GDP hasn't gone up that much. But the important thing to remember is Germany is the second biggest country in NATO. A lot of other countries in Europe look up to NATO. And if Germany is always going to be dragging its feet on its own defense spending, can you wonder why other smaller countries in Europe will be the same way? I mean, Germany needs NATO, and Germany needs to have its fighter planes that fly and the tanks that work and the submarines that float. Germany, as you pointed out, um, Terry, is woefully unprepared. They, they have a military that just isn't ready. Well, there's definitely a lot to say about German defense spending, but I want to ask you about what this all means for ties with Russia. We heard the U.S. Senator Mitt Romney, the Republican from Utah, saying that the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Germany would be a gift to Russia. I want to get both of your takes on that. Uh, Terry, let's start with you. Again, I would argue that this is more a matter of symbolism than a matter of true military might. If Russia were going to state a land attack on a NATO ally, NATO would be able to respond, and those 9,500 troops wouldn't make a difference. But it's more symbolic about the United States um, punishing Germany. It's more how it looks and how it feels to allies that they weren't consulted. Um, so it, I, I think, you know, people could make the argument that it's a gift to Russia, but not simply because this would make it easier for Russia to stage a land attack. Russia's attacks on NATO are not with, um, you know, little green men running over the border into NATO countries. Russia's attacks are much more hybrid, intelligence uh, hacking. There are, there are many ways that Russia is attacking NATO every day that has nothing to do with whether there are, are troops on the ground in Germany. And those are much more powerful at the moment, I think. It's more about the fact that the U.S. did this in a, in a really ugly way and continues to attack uh, one of its strongest allies, you know, just every which way. And that is a gift to Russia. And I'm sure that, you know, the Kremlin appreciates uh, every time uh, President Trump 
launches into an attack on Angela, as he calls her, at one of his campaign rallies. It must be great fun for them. Eric, what is your take? Is this a symbolic gift to Russia then? Yeah, definitely. I mean, anytime there's division in the alliance, it plays into Putin's hands. I mean, they're struggling under the sanctions that the EU and the West imposed after Crimea. So it's something that they're, they're happy about, definitely. Very interesting discussion. Thank you both. Terry Schultz, a freelance reporter in Brussels, covering the EU and NATO for NPR and DW News. And Eric Kirschbaum, a journalist here covering Germany for international media and the executive director of the German-American exchange program, RIAS. Great discussion, Jimmy. Thanks for having us. Good to be with you, Eric. Thanks for that and have a good day. When we come back, we'll delve a little deeper on the story with the former commander of the U.S. Army in Europe and the German government's transatlantic coordinator. Stay tuned for that. You're listening to KCRW Berlin on 104.1 FM. I'm Todd Zwillick. We named 1A after the First Amendment. It's for everybody, especially the curious. And because things are rarely black and white, 1A brings you all the colors. Join me weekdays and keep listening to this NPR station throughout the day. Tune into 1A weekdays at 4 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM. We're talking about the announcement that the U.S. is planning to reduce its military presence in Germany by repositioning 9,500 troops. Joining us now on the line is General Ben Hodges. He was the commander of the U.S. Army in Europe until 2017. He's now retired and currently at the Center for European Policy Analysis. Hey, thank you very much, guys. General Hodges, I've seen on Twitter that you've been very critical about this announcement from President Trump. What do you make of this move? Well, I I think it's unfortunately a a colossal mistake. The decision to uh, remove basically uh, one-third of the U.S. Army and Air Force personnel that are permanently based in Germany is only going to hurt us because it reduces real capability that's necessary for us to carry out our national defense strategy in Europe and Africa and part of the Middle East. And the way that this announcement came out, I think this is very unfortunate. I want to ask you about strategy and readiness in a moment. But first of all, perhaps you could give us some context uh, from you were, as we said, the commander of the U.S. Army in Europe until 2017. What function does the U.S. Army in Europe have? So, you know, the U.S. Department of Defense kind of organizes its operations around the world through a series of of what are called combatant commands. So you have a four-star commander who is the commander of U.S. European Command, responsible for everything that the Department of Defense does in Europe, which goes from basically the Arctic all the way down to uh, uh, the Mediterranean. Uh, Israel's included, Russia, obviously. So that's the European Command. I was the Army component commander, so I was responsible for all Army or land forces and operations in Europe for the United States. And how integrated are these bases and these troops in Germany? So of the 34,000 Americans in uniform in Germany, about 22,000 are from the Army and about 12,000 are from the Air Force. And the Air Force is principally in Germany in Ramstein and in uh, Spangdalem. Uh, For the Army, we have headquarters, 
logistics, and combat. The headquarters, of course, for the Army is in Wiesbaden, um, and that's also where you have the military intelligence and the communications capabilities located. Uh, in the Kaiserslautern area in Rhineland-Pfalz, that's sort of the industrial part of the Army. Most of the big logistics, which are essential for rapid reinforcement and everything that we would need to do in Europe, uh, is based there uh, in, in Rhineland-Pfalz, as well as the headquarters for the uh, air and missile defense. Uh, it's also, of course, where Kaiserslautern, uh, the biggest American hospital outside the United States, is located there. And this hospital, of course, is, is not just for people that are in Europe. It was a lifesaver for hundreds of uh, young women and men who were wounded in Iraq and Afghanistan. And then the third sort of category uh, are the combat units. Uh, this is like the Stryker Brigade uh, in Vilsack, Germany. Uh, the uh, training areas at Grafenbeer and Hohenfels, uh, where actually there are more non-Americans than Americans that actually that train here. So this helps improve interoperability. That's kind of the, the footprint for Army forces in Germany. And you've given us a great idea there of what that framework is. I just want to drill down on this question of why these troops in Germany and their presence in Germany are strategically important to the U.S. 34,000 people, that's U.S. Army and U.S. Air Force, in uniform in Germany, spread over these several bases I just talked about. This is a very, very small number of personnel. So what I'm saying is a 30% reduction in any of those is, in effect, a 100% reduction because those headquarters are all necessary to provide the infrastructure for incoming reinforcements. Without it, it would be impossible to bring in U.S. forces if there was a crisis, or if you're just executing the rotation of forces into Poland or Lithuania or Romania, you have to have this kind of a infrastructure. So that, that's why this, this is only damaging to us. And General Hodges, I want to ask you about this point from the Trump administration, well, that Germany does not meet its spending targets when it comes to spending on defense, that it hasn't come close to this 2% spending mark. Uh, doesn't President Trump have a point there? Sure he does. So the idea that the most prosperous, uh, successful country in all of Europe does not have a level of readiness in the Bundeswehr that it should, uh, of the equipment and the units that it does have, and that its uh, spending is at such a low level, it's impossible to explain and understand for most Americans. And frankly, it's also uh, unacceptable to many other uh, the European allies. Now, I will say that uh, unlike when I was a lieutenant in the early 80s, uh, Germany was on the front line. You, you had the inter-German border, so you had a huge U.S. Army in Europe. You had a huge Bundeswehr. You had a huge British Army, and Germany was a front-line state. West Germany was. Uh, now with reunification, the end of the Cold War, uh, the front line is about 800 kilometers to the east. So Germany is no longer the front-line state, and candidly, not too many uh, German politicians, political leaders, are willing or able to explain to their citizens what the threat is or even that there is a threat. So let's, let's acknowledge that and think about a more sophisticated approach to what 2% means and, and to what burden sharing really means. Uh, I would say that we don't need more German tanks. We need more German trains. Germany's strategic role for NATO now should be logistics uh, to be the hub for rapid movement, 
kind of be the uh, military industrial base for the alliance. So that means investment in improving transportation infrastructure, I think that ought to count towards its 2%. The seaport at Bremerhaven is extremely important for the United States and for NATO. The cyber protection for that port is essential because uh, hackers could shut down Bremerhaven, which would severely disrupt the alliance's ability to rapidly reinforce. So investment in cyber protection should count towards 2%. What would your message to the German government be on how best to move forward in investing in defense spending, but also in working with the U.S. and in working with the Trump administration? Well, I think that Germany, it's the most important ally for the United States. I think that Germany is the one country that could influence uh, Kremlin behavior. They could influence behavior of the Chinese Communist Party. I would much rather see us working hand-in-hand with Germany in particular. I think that would be much more effective uh, than, than constantly uh, walking away from things where we're unhappy. I think, But, of course, I think part of that is to, is to appeal to uh, a U.S. domestic audience, unfortunately. Thanks so much for joining us, General Ben Hodges, commander of the U.S. Army in Europe until 2017. He is currently at the Center for European Policy Analysis. It was great to have your insights. Thank you all uh, very much. I really uh, appreciate the opportunity. And uh, this this relationship with Germany, it survived two world wars. It will certainly survive any presidential administration. Thank you, General Hodges. Well, we wanted to get the German government's response to some of these points, from President Trump's announcement of the troop withdrawal to the criticism of Germany for not doing enough on defense spending. So we caught up with Peter Bayer. He's the German government's coordinator of transatlantic affairs, and he's a member of Chancellor Angela Merkel's Christian Democrats Party, the CDU. And just a quick programming note, we spoke to Mr. Bayer via Zoom. Here's our interview. Mr. Bayer, thank you for joining us. First of all, I want to get your take on President Trump's announcement that he wants to withdraw 9,500 troops from Germany. Before an official announcement or confirmation from the administration side, was sent over the Atlantic to us. Uh, we read a newspaper article, and that was a little bit surprising for us. And with regard to the numbers or to the sheer fact that something is planned by the U.S. administration, actually, I, I'm very critical with regard to the interests that stand behind this. It's certainly not in Germany's or in NATO's interests. And um, having said that, I don't think it can actually be in the interests of the United States of America themselves. What do you mean by that? Why is it not in the interest of the U.S.? Yeah, you have to understand that the U.S. troops stationed in Germany are the largest base of U.S. troops outside of the United States of America. You know, the United States of America have currently invested around a billion uh, euros just in a new hospital with a contribution of 150 million euros by Germany. To me, it doesn't really make sense with regard to logistics and everything. They need this station here, the troops stationed in Germany. Well, if you listen to what President Trump said in his press conference two weeks ago, he said this is, in a way, retaliation for Germany not contributing enough to NATO. And he called Germany delinquent in its payments to the alliance. What do you think of that? This is not new. We have heard this from the president many, many times. Fact is, it doesn't become any more correct over time. Uh, In German media, it was published that over the past 10 years, Germany contributed to U.S. troops stationed in Germany a billion euros. 
And from 2014 until 2020, so this year, um, we have increased our defense spending by 45%, so almost doubled it. So we are doing a lot that we are contributing with troops on the ground in Afghanistan and in, in, in Africa. We're doing really a lot of things. Yes, I have to self-critically admit in the past, we have not done enough. For several years, we were relying and counting on the Americans especially to protect us and to invest. But now we have done a lot of things. So, um, and you know, we, United States troops uh, are very welcome in Germany. We spoke to General Ben Hodges, and he made the proposal that Germany could actually become a logistics hub for NATO, and that could actually contribute to the 2% spending. Is that a realistic proposal? It's a very good um, proposal, but different NATO states, member states, uh, calculate their 2% goal in a different way. And if we would now include the logistic hub scenario that General Ben Hodges proposed. I think that could be a legitimate way, but I'm a little bit concerned that um, some people might take that as an excuse not to do more to reach really also with regard to just sheer spending and increasing of defense budgets, the 2%. But it's a very good proposal that needs consideration debate here in Germany and in NATO. So it's an interesting proposal. I want to ask you what you think about the regions that are hosting these American bases and these troops. How will they be impacted if these troops are withdrawn? In a way, you know, the, the, the villages and smaller towns, they will feel it. Just recently, a colleague of mine in the parliament, he called me up and, and he asked me if I already know if his district would be, and the troops stationed there would be affected. I said, no, we don't know anything of a detailed plan yet. So this is yet to come. If the United States start this implementation, the withdrawal of this plan, I hope for a lot of transparency and a, a lot of coordination that, you know, we can mitigate the economic effects. Mr. Bayer, I want to ask you about the state of the transatlantic relationship. In that article that you referenced from the Wall Street Journal, there was some reporting that the German government has adopted a position of not responding to President Trump's rhetoric because there is a certain belief that the transatlantic relationship will not get any better while President Trump is in office and that there's a a wait-and-see perspective to see what happens in November. Is that true? Would that be true? I would say that would be a mistake just to wait and see what's going to happen on November 3. I was always convinced uh, also in the beginning when everybody said, well, after the inauguration of uh, President Trump, maybe in office he will become a great statesman. Didn't happen from our perspective. So he didn't change. He's loyal to himself. And so I think it would be really uh, showing that you don't understand what's going on in transatlantic relations. And also it's pure speculation if he will be reelected or if Joe Biden is going to be elected for the first time into the Oval Office. So it is our responsibility not to sit back, relax and wait and see what's going to happen. And also, um, I don't agree that German government is not responding. I mean, in many, many talks, meetings that I had and many others with colleagues in Washington, in the administration and on the Hill, but also here in Berlin and in Brussels, we address these issues. And a quick last question, is the US still really a good partner for Germany? It's the closest partner and you know, from my heart, I would also say the closest friend that we're having outside of the European Union. And I know there's a lot of talk about um, that 
it's going down south. It's bad. Part of that is true. But again, I think it's our responsibility to invest in the transatlantic fundaments of shared values and also shared interests that are still there. So I believe in the future of the transatlantic friendship. Peter Bayer, the German government's coordinator for transatlantic affairs. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's show. Thank you for listening to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM KCRW Berlin. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm your host, Sumi Somaskanda. We'll see you next week.